Hello listeners and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast, your black and white bastion of safety on an opening weekend that welcomed the Cottagers back to the lawless landscape of the championship in true championship style, with a promoted side causing an upset and a dismal display from FFC. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host this evening and joining me are a group of intrepid travellers who made the long journey up to Oakwell and back and sort of lived to tell the tale. First up, Archduke of Aperol, it's Don Betts. Hello, hello. Full of story styders, and I was going to say stubble, but freshly clean shaven, Mr. Jack Kelly. <laughs> oh, you're right. And finally, our favourite Yankees in the building. And after that performance from the Whites, it's less an American in Paris and more an American in Barrist. Nathan Martin, how, how y'all doing? doing? Welcome back, welcome back, boys. Welcome back to the championship. We've had. Welcome back to you, Jack Collins. I know. It's all <laughs> it's nice, nice that you grace us Jack with your presence. Still does his podcast. Some, sometimes, <laughs> only on good days. Only, only on good, good days. days. <laughs> uh, and this is not one of them. So, Dom, let's start off with some free word reviews. I thought because we lost, you might as well go to Facebook because you just get brilliant content on there. Especially <laughs> only the best for the listeners. Only the best. I thought I'll just start with Lou Higney, just because we are shit. I mean, it just um, Mark Moody of AK Forty Seven was pony. I mean, anything involved ponies. We're going to talk about him later. Keep going. And the probably the best one is actually all right. It's Oakwell opening disaster class. Good, very good. Who's that from? That was from Mark Moran. Mark Moran. There you go. Well done, Mark. Right, not so well done, Fulham. But before we get on to Barnsley, just to ask you to continue giving us ratings on Apple Podcasts and on Facebook. They really matter with growing the pod and helping us to develop further and yada yada yada. So yeah, go and do those things. It's important. Right. Previous game, Barnsley. And just before we start, uh, let's touch quickly on the whole Cyrus Christie incident full of mainstream news and not for any of the right reasons. Basically, there's not too much to debate here as far as I'm concerned. It's no room for it, not at this club. And if you saw anything, please do email the club, inquiries at fulhamfc.com. They are looking for witnesses, so please do send them a message. Anyway, let's go on to the game. Fulham were atrocious. Given the atrocious behaviour in the stands, Fulham were equally atrocious. The defending for the goal, Jack, let's go to you first. Just <laughs> schoolboy, some would say. It's very championship. Um, and Joe Bryan, who I thought had probably one of his strongest games in a white shirt, was the man who kind of was at fault for the goal. He should have uh, blocked the man out. And um, and then when Mawson got back on the line, I think it took a clip off his heel and went in under Bettinelli. It's... It was getting to a point where I thought he was obviously just going to square it and it was going to be a tap-in, but, but then he went for a goal and then obviously you know what happened when in the near post. Um, not the start we wanted in the game, in the season, um, and, and Parker's got now a lot to do in the week. Nathan, what were your views on the goal? Should Mawson be closing that man down? Yeah, I've, I feel really bad for Joe Bryan because I was, I was watching most of the game and you know, I, I think it was one of those things you've watched the highlights or you watched sort of the match back. It didn't really do him justice off the ball, kind of the work that he was having to do. And the number of times that Fulham was leaving two players or overlapping him, he was kind of on an island most of the time. And so, he, yeah, he tripped. He kind of got caught out when, when for the goal. Mawson's got to close down faster. Betts has got to do something a little bit better. He's got to get his legs closed, whatever. But, you know, yes, we should have done better. It was a kind of a fluky championship goal. Those things happen. I welcome don't, back. Yeah, <laughs> welcome back to the championship. You get the bad referees. You get the, you know, the fans. You get everything. And you get the fluky goals. It's like, welcome back to the championship. Nobody's going to hand you the trophy just because you rock up with a very expensive side and, you know, Mitrovic up top. But no one's going to just hand it to you. And we should have done better. Dom, your thoughts? <laughs> and if you say the word pony, I probably will. Did you gone, see the so. goal, Dom? <laughs> did you make the goal this time? No, I did, I did see the goal. Um, <laughs> but no, I just thought from the start, we were shit. 
that's what I kept saying half time. Like it backs up my argument. I don't actually like footballs, you know. No, we don't. It was a bad first half. It was very bad. Like I was expecting, you know, not have to go to the concourse after half hours to go for a drink. But I mean, Fulham made it made it so. And I thought I just didn't understand what our tactics were. I couldn't really understand why you start Kamara and have knockout on the bench. Surely Kamara is the impact player you bring on. And if you if we're talking about Kamara, what I didn't understand is you kept playing the ball into his feet. Kamara is not a player. You play the ball into his feet. Yeah. You play it into space for him to run onto. And then you, you it, I think the, the squad showed our lack in midfield depth. That the only midfield on the bench was Luca Della Torre. Yep. I mean, come on. Like, and if, I think if you looked at the position map or the average position rate after the game, like Johansson and McDonald are just both sitting at the deep of the midfield. All three of our midfielders on the heat map were in a straight line, which is one, not how you play football. It's just all, and every two, player just looked and felt so isolated they, it didn't feel like they were playing as a team it looked like 11 individuals but as yeah. you said he may have probably made a mistake for the goal and Joe Brown but I still think he was our best player on the day and I think Mitrovic's problem was well if you can have Mitrovic as a sole striker and you're not whipping balls into the box I don't see what problem you're going to try and see him cause I, I just thought or at least get the ball into his feet yeah exactly he, he was just so isolated like we saw in the, in the Premier League at times last season so I thought I don't think anyone really I guess we say Joe Brown's the best player, but I don't think anyone really comes at the game with any credit. I think serious questions, I know it's very early on, obviously, but I do think questions have to be asked about Scott Parker's tactic because even when he, was it two, you took off Johansson and brought a knockout and changed like a 4-2-4? We assumed it was a, I assumed it was a 4-2-3-1 <laughs> at that point. Yeah, but, but uh, who, you know, who, who, knows? who knows? So I just, yeah, I just thought we showed total tactical inequity and yeah, I don't really know what the game plan was. Talking about the first half though, every time that we played it out of the back, I mean, this is the thing with the new with the with the new rule, right? That you can play the goal kicks; they don't have to be outside the box. We looked like children back there. Bettinelli and Adoy, and they just and Mar- Lamarchand almost had the ball taken off them. How many times? Like we looked like mm. we had no. We were only on for about fifteen. Yeah, we, we looked yeah. like we did, we had no idea what we were doing. It was just absolutely disgraceful. You would have thought that we were the you know the League One side coming up or something versus versus the other way around. It was disgraceful. Absolutely. I wanted to come on to a man who knows this division well, who we were kind of expecting to to become a linchpin of this side again in Kevin McDonald, who had maybe the worst game I've ever seen him ever in a Fulham shirt. Yeah, I had worries about him before the season because, you know, he is getting on a bit, but but then you can argue that, you know, he's only a year on from, from the promotion winning season. Yeah, he was so off the pace. He missed tackles. He couldn't control the ball. He couldn't play out passes. And and it kind of just slowed the game down for us. Every time you want to look at Kearney um, to obviously get an out ball to, to the wide areas, he was getting closed down. So we're kind of looking at McDonald to play it to the wide areas and it wasn't happening for us. And the only player who was really pinging it to the wide areas was Alfie Mawson. But even so, like he only got two or three off in that game. Yeah. I think McDonald uh, needs, to re- needs someone to replace him week in, week out. I don't think he played the whole 46, like I said a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, no, I mean, Dom, there is obviously talk of Harry Art coming in. It seems but more then, of an eight. I still eight don't at this see point. him as that position. No, agreed. But you know, do the Fulham desperately needed a six? After watching this, we've always been we've been saying for the whole for the whole summer that we wanted, uh, we were looking for a right centre back and a right back in. But the way I see it, Fulham's greatest need right now is a six. Yeah, and the problem is that all the midfielders we're linked with aren't sixes. You look at Josh Onama, you look at Harry Arta. I think I, Josh Onama is best as a six, to be fair. I I just feel like he I don't see him as being that natural six to just sit there and sweep up the play like McDonald did so well in 17-18. And I think that, yes, it clearly shows we need, we do need one because our only other well, first-team midfielder, it seems, who's not who's not come through academy is Ibrahim Masiso, and God knows where he is. So <laughs> we don't know where he is. He is a six, to be fair. Yeah, I, 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 I just don't understand what our transfer strategy has 
been quite this summer because yes, great Caviero and Knockout, they're great signings and but we still if you if you look at our midfield and our defence, the squad depth is terrible. I think the bench showed that. And I just didn't understand unless Knockout's not match fit, which I he looked it when I've seen him in preseason friendlies, and then you sign Kamara when that, that means you then don't have therefore have that impact player off the bench. I just thought everything with Saturday was just in an embarrassment. I do think credit has been given to Barnsley though. Yeah, I, I think you can't, you can't you can't just complain of how poor we played. Yes, we we were terrible, but you got to give credit to the Barnsley side. And yeah, I mean you got to look at them. What they haven't lost a home game now since March 2018, I think it is. That's exactly uh, the right. Current, yeah. The current manager Stendhal hasn't lost a home game while he's been Barnsley <laughs> manager. But still, yeah, I just thought it was absolutely embarrassing and just laughable, really. Before this game started, I said that Barnsley would struggle, but only once teams have worked them out. And in that regard, it's a really bad side to play early. They're quite settled as a unit. They have far more kind of, I guess, now in many regards as how they play together. And and it showed. And that's something that Fulham are going to have to get very quickly if we're going to try and compete, Jack. Yeah, I think with Barnsley, I think the home games for them is what's going to keep them in the division. If they can scalp uh, results against the likes of us and, and, and teams in the top half of the table then and get a few points on the road, then, then they'll be absolutely fine. Um, we need to adapt to the league again. Uh, it's just so naive coming into this league thinking we're going to HMS piss the league and then we go 1-0 down to Barnsley on the opening day. So uh, there's a lot to do and it's very, very frustrating because now we're, we're playing catch-up to a lot of the teams. To, to be fair, you know, Cardiff lost, Brentford yeah, yeah, lost, Stoke lost. The only you know team that you really went, oh, they've absolutely hammered someone was Leeds, Leeds. And we've always assumed that Leeds are going to start well and see where mm-hmm. they go from there. So it, it did feel a bit like, yes, we lost, but a lot of favourites have lost here. And, and we didn't play well, which is the worry. But losing the points on the first day isn't the worst day in the world. But, you know, it's one of those things that the frustrating thing I was I went into work today. And, of course, everybody like gives you that pity look in your eyes, mm-hmm. which is almost worse than having the piss taken out of you because um, nobody wants pity right now. Um, we start slow, but what really bothered me was there was just no sense of identity. Like with Slav's teams, even when we started slow, you could kind of see what we're trying to build towards. And with this team, even in the second half when we strung a few possessions together, we still were looked so vulnerable coming out of the back mm-hmm. where, you know, we're, we're scrambling around. We can't get the passes together. It was basically in the second half, the reason we would have some good moments is because Knockhart would create chances. He would just isolate players. Um Aite was fantastic when he came on, but it was still the core of the team does not have an identity right now. Kearney is not integral to the play like he has to be. And that's what really concerned me. It's like, yes, we're always a slow starter, but we just, we really lack that identity. And there Parker's, was no fluidity. There was no like, fluidity, yeah. yeah. Like it, was just, it felt so rigid and everyone sort of just stuck in their positions and not, they weren't interlinking in, it in the slightest. And I just thought, as you said, severe lack of identity. I know everyone brands the word identity around. Is that, te- is it, is that teething problems? I think we're lucky. You're lucky in the championship to an extent that you can have a terrible start and still compete in the league. I've said it time and time again. The league tail for me doesn't matter until about December or January time. Yeah. But you, again, as Jasper, you don't want to be playing catch up, and mm. that's what we've. That's been our problem in the two playoff campaigns we have. Because if we played like the best we played in those seasons throughout the whole season from the start, then we would have easily made the top two, in my opinion. Like if seventeen eighteen goes on one or two more games, we finish in top two yeah. for my liking there. And I just think. I think hopefully it's a wake-up call to the players and, and to the manager that there is still a lot of work to do. Absolutely. Uh, I was going to bring it on. You did mention it, Nathan, just there, that we were a little bit better in the second half. We created a couple of opportunities. Knockout came on and immediately kind of took the game a little bit by the scruff of the neck. And and yes, that formation change was weird. I completely agree with you. But it actually did allow Knockout to get on the ball a little bit more and try and cause some havoc. Jack, were you, you know vaguely impressed with what you saw from him? 
Yeah, I mean, I went to the Oxford game and he was a stand-up player. And then once he went off, we we fell to pieces and, and ended up drawing the game. Uh, and I was so confused as to why he didn't start. It was like he got the wrong AK. It was like Parker must have said, <laughs> OK, AK starts. And Kamara just went, oh, that's obviously me. When Anthony Knockout should have started. He came on, he had the shot on target, caused the keeper a really good save. And yeah, it's it's everyone was talking before the season about, you know, the Caviero, Mitrovic and, and Knockout front three. And then we don't start them on the opening day. Yeah. And it's Kamara who stretches the defense. He should be coming on in the last 20. But you, you got to also say with Knockhart, and I saw this one in the, in the West Ham friendly as well. What I'm really impressed by him is, yes, his skill is ridiculous. Like every time he touches the ball, you know, he's just a little bit of a magician. But what I was really impressed by is that he was he didn't start. Every, you know, reason to sort of be a little bit stroppy comes on and just threw himself into mm. everything. You saw him screaming when the ball goes out. And he was like, it's kind of what we need. We need that player as a technical skill. But if you're going to be in the championship, you got to have a bit of heart. And with that team... We didn't have a lot of heart. You didn't see it coming out there. So with Knockhart, I'm like, you got to if, if Parker does not start him on Saturday, then we need to sort of ask, you know, what's going on behind yeah, the happening? scenes unless Knockhart's hurt. But he's going to be a bit of that core, that emotional core. And same thing for Aita. Get, get him out there earlier rather than later. Absolutely. But uh, someone, well, obviously, Kamara started ahead of Knockhart. And Dan Savage wrote us a question which said, why is he so divisive? How can one player be looked upon so differently from the same side of the fence? I've read reviews on him being our best player and our worst on Saturday. Personally, I'm not a fan. First chance of a first touch of a brick wall and offers no protection to the fullback. <laughs> but, you know, we did see some people being like, can't say if you said this about Kamara, he, he was our best player. And and, and almost like people are watching two different games. Mm. Uh, it's very strange how he managed to come out, create this much division within a fan base. It's crazy. It's because people look at him and go, oh, he's really good at getting in behind. He's, he's good like, to pull back the balls and stuff. But but then he, he does these stupid things like he, he like chops in like a Ronaldo chop in and it goes about 10 yards away from, from where he's positioned. And he, he has such a bipolar game. One, one minute he'll do such a really good move get in behind and the next will just give the ball away stupidly like the ball went out for a throw in and he went to pick up the ball and he just like, dropped the ball he couldn't like handle the ball probably he's such a clown honestly it's incredible <laughs> Dom what did you think of Kamara's performance he, oh he was pony but <laughs> my, my point is that I don't understand the point of having knockout or I to, right. to bring on over Kamara I feel like both them players I did play well when he came on. I do give him that. But I think one of the main issues is that Kamara is that impact player. And I feel like Aite or Knockout are players you start, then bring on Kamara on for. It just didn't make any sense to me. And as I mentioned earlier, then when he is playing, you're playing the ball into his feet as opposed to in front of him into space. And Aite gives the fullbacks no support. I mean, Adoy definitely needed some during that first half because... You it know, did feel that way, didn't that, it? That, that right flank was... I don't even know how to describe it was a, a bit of a mess from start to finish. Well, it's a mess that needs clearing up and the best way to do that is potentially to sign some players. So we'll be talking about some signings that Fulham might bring in on deadline day after the break. Fulhamish has teamed up once again with Beer52 to offer you guys a free crate of craft beer. Just go to beer52.com forward slash Fulham and all you need to do is pay the postage and packaging, which is $5.95 and you get a free crate of eight delicious craft beers from all around the world. There's no minimum commitment. You can just buy the free case, try the beers and see what you think. And if it's not for you, you can pause or cancel anytime. So go to beer52.com forward slash Fulham and claim your free case today. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. My name's Jack Collins. I'm joined by Jack Kelly. Oh, you're right. Nathan Martin and Don Betts. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. We are moving on from sadness to signings. This is a question (laughs) from Rick Cardis. He says, let's say we actually do get 30 million for Cessnion and Tony has been waiting for that money to come in. 
Who do we spend it on and what positions are truly of the greatest need? Why can't we get the back the ball from our back four to our front three? Dom, I'll start with you. I think if you're looking at it on paper, there's three positions I think we should be looking at. Right back, centre back and holding midfield there. Like I, I, I wasn't too looking at holding midfield as opposed to a first team player. I was looking at someone who could come in for Ken McDonald because you know, he's not going to play 46 games a season but if he performs anything like he does on Saturday for a season we're going to need a first team number six and obviously we've been linked with the likes of Mo Besic who for me is the only out and out number six we've been linked with this transfer window maybe I like him a lot yeah, yeah. and then, you've, then you look at centre back and right back yes I still I think you know once Adoy moved into the middle and Christie moved on to right back we looked a bit better it still looked bad but it still looks a bit better than it did in the first half so I think yeah if the session of money comes through but then it's Daniel Levy here. How late is this money going to come in? Well, there was the the kind of rumour today was that both clubs are confident they can get this done before deadline day. So that is positive, I guess, if you assume that that's going to happen. Spurs do need a signing as well. Spurs like you know, Rose isn't going anywhere. I mean, you know, they they sort of not had the moves, so they they do need Sass to come in here. It does it does feel a little bit like both clubs just need this to happen reasonably quickly so that they can both get on with their the rest of their windows. So yeah. that might be working in our favor here. Well, the only worry is that if if it does happen too late, it could be quite touch and go to try and get in one or two replacements and um as Tom said, identifies right back CDM it's probably the and centre back as well is are the three positions we need and and I can't really identify a right back that we could probably bring in and who could actually challenge for the I can't think of anyone we can bring in apart from and Babu from Young Boys Babu's gone he's not our Young Boys anymore oh I haven't been paying he attention to that he has signed for the team that you are wearing the shirt on no. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Nathan I'm going to go to an American about an American. There is someone who's been linked, sort of, you know, Onoma's the one that's been talked about a lot, but someone that could play right back or right centre back is Cameron Carter Vickers from Spurs. Obviously, Parker knows him, he knows the academy system there well. Is that something that you could see? tucking along it might it might work nicely for I, us I, yeah I, I'm actually open to, it's, it's kind of with both with the Spurs players I don't think any of them are going to come in and walk straight into the team and it's going to take a few games like settling in but they have the potential they have the upside so I'm kind of cautiously optimistic I wouldn't mind seeing him come in um, you know I'd, I'd rather take a punt on that honestly than Harry Arter or something like that because I just find Arter a little bit boring compared to what we else have out there it is a little bit boring the Harry Arter signing I, I think no one's going to no one thinks this is the signing that changes the season. Mm-hmm. But Arta offers you know, an eight that can get up and down. He's got Premier League experience. He's got championship experience. He was decent for Cardiff last season in the Premier League. It's, it's very much not the worst sign in the world, Dom. No, I don't. I think a lot of people are judging him in his time with Cardiff when he's playing in the most anti-football side going. He <laughs> <laughs> also just wasn't that bad. Yeah, <laughs> I, but I think if you look at his time at Bournemouth, actually, yeah. you, you'll see what we'll be getting. And I think that... One thing I'm not too much of a fan of is that if we get promoted, it's £8 million, and I don't really see why we'd pay £8 million to Harry Arter. I understand that now, I've sort of got to where I've stopped caring about transfer fees. If, if a team wants a player, they'll pay the fee that's required. But yeah, that's the only. If, if it, the loan deal for Harry Arter, I'm perfectly fine with because we do need depth in that midfield. But you know, £8 million, if we were to get promoted, I still think it's a bit too steep. Harry Arter is a proper shithouse in the <laughs> middle is. with Steph. They could cause some serious yellow card damage. Yeah. It's just a do-a-job signing, isn't it? He'll just do a job in that midfield and um, and hopefully for the better. Okay, let's keep let's keep him rolling. Josh Onema. Dom, coming to you. <laughs> uh, it just... What my issue... I'm not... I don't have an issue with assigning Josh Onema, but it's under the, the, the proviso that we want Josh Onema, 
Not that Spurs are just putting him in this deal. For me, as we spoke, as we really just spoke, but I'd rather get Cameron Carter-Vickers as part of that deal yeah. than Josh Onomay. Yes, he's an exciting young player who come in. He's got championship experience, but then you're paying his wages for the sake, not just the sake of paying his wages, but for the sake of Spurs putting him in as part of a session on deal, as opposed to us actually wanting Josh Onomay as a player. It's like Caviero and Knockhart. Like it's sort of the thing of like how do the fans respond with the po- prospect of losing them? And I was with a colleague who's a big Spurs fan today. There is no Spurs fan who absolutely cares whether we get him or not. They're like, yeah, just take him off our books. And so that sort of tells you a lot that they don't feel like that they're losing anyone of importance. It's not really a, a special potential player. It's just something that, hey, if it helps them get Sess, they're happy about getting rid of him. And that doesn't excite me at all. Okay. All right. Last one. A right center back. We got a question from Ollie Wask on Twitter. He says, do you guys think we need a right sided center back desperately? Because Scott McKenna of Aberdeen has handed in a transfer request and I've heard good things about him. Him and Mawson could potentially be a good centre-back partnership. I actually quite like this shout. Um, Scott McKenna is is a decent footballer and QPR have just had a bid rejected for him. So, anything one to wind up QPR fans. And two, we do need a right-sided centre-back. He's a ball-playing defender and would add a little bit of depth and experience in this side. Yeah, I've, I've actually never seen him play. I don't really pay attention to the SPL. But um, apart from Rangers, but um, apart from apart from that, like we do need a ball playing centre back to go alongside Mawson, you know, a signings a signing, so so why not? And, th- and that's one thing we didn't say, but Mawson looked. It was nice to see Mawson play ninety minutes. Thought yeah. he looked promising, and you know, we if, if he stays healthy all season, we didn't need someone who pairs up well with him. Nice to have Reem back as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I suppose we probably should touch on that. Mawson actually made the most passes of any Fulham <laughs> player, which is one a worry, but two. You know, it does show that he does possess that yeah, quality. Nice header you on, mentioned it yeah, earlier goal as well. that he know, just balls was a player wide, spreading yeah. it out wide. So, you know, it is good to see Alfie Mawson back and looking like he could have some, you know, element of fitness to his game this year. Yeah, we need Mawson consistently this season. Otherwise, we've got no hope in hell of, of keeping clean sheets. And, um, yeah, and I thought, also thought Bettinelli was really poor on Saturday as well, just to throw that. I was going to talk about this. Um, there, there was a big question from Matty Mann. He said, Rodak or Bettinelli, especially after how shocking he was on the weekend. I mean, you were there. How bad was it? You know what it was? So it was just the fact that like, it was almost like he was waiting for the last second to then like put the ball upfield. So many times it looked like they were just going to intercept the ball and, and put it in the net. And it just well, made it, me nervous. They were going to intercept the ball because he was passing to nowhere near any Fulham players. <laughs> The best thing was like there were a couple of times where so he he had a couple of nice you know, he brought the ball in well with some crosses came up you know strong on that but every time he had to dis- distribute the ball he had no idea what he was doing and it was just like he would either roll it out he almost had the ball nicked off him about five or six times and, and it took so long to yeah he took so long and then he would clear in a touch or to put someone under pressure I was like you know either the coaching is really poor and he's like had his head done in by whatever he's being told by the, by the staff. Or, or, or something is going on. Like, it was genuinely dreadful. And I'm not someone to, you, you know me, I'm not someone who jumps on the keeper's backs most of the time. But I thought he was absolutely horrific on Saturday. Some of his passes, I was like, what right. are you aiming at? <laughs> yeah, like, seriously. It feels like we've been complaining about distribution forever. You know, with the exception of Rico last season for, for a small how, how is Ro- How is Rodak on distribution? I haven't watched him enough to know. Well, I mean, it can't be as bad <laughs> as it was on Saturday, is, is the honest truth of the matter. Um, it, I wouldn't say it's his greatest strength, but he can equally pass the ball out. And, and obviously you see it in a different side. You know, he was playing for Rotherham last season. They obviously got relegated. But... You know, and, and therefore you don't. You're not playing the same kind of passing game that you'd be expected to play at Fulham, and and so that remains the big question: Would he be capable of of switching from a, a, from a very different type of game that he's been playing to another one? But equally, 
you know, we, we feel it feels like we've had this conversation so many times. And if is this just something we're going to have to accept? Is it just as like at the championship level, keepers don't distribute the ball well? I think yes is what what you've got to look at here. And I'm not saying we've got to switch up the way we play, but you know the amount of times that Bettinelli could have taken a quick option short, but he didn't. He hanged about, and he went to ping a long ball up to our wide players or Mitrovic, and it was just nowhere near where he was aiming at. So maybe his problem is he may just get the ball away from him as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, just just yeah. get the ball into get the ball into like someone like Mawson or get it into the fullback areas. Then, but that's what I didn't understand. We were just he was just hopelessly aiming the ball, and there was there was a, one in particular where it was literally not near. Not even a but not let alone a full player, not even near a Barnsley player. <laughs> so yeah, I just think maybe if he just gets the ball out of his feet as soon as possible and he focuses on his actual strong attribute and shot stopping and catching the ball from corners, maybe. But yeah, I, ju- I just I, I don't think you necessarily should be dropping him and bringing in Rodak or even Fabry. But I think that you know Justice for Fabry. just get the book. Bu- <laughs> I think it's, it, the problem, as you mentioned, was he took way too long to get the ball out of his feet, and then I said whenever he got rid of it, it was just nowhere near anything. Okay, right. Let's move on to some questions. And one for Radio Bets to begin with from Weekly Geekly. <laughs> this is a fun one. He says, who is the most pony player you have ever seen play in a Fulham shirt? Caveat, regular season game, not just pre-season slash trial. I can't just say Charles Christie, can I? Just to keep up with the... Uh... Keep up the pretense. <laughs> keep up the pretense. <laughs> or Kamara. Um, let me have a look. I remember really bad games, so I'll look. Okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna hold on that. I'm gonna come back to you right at the end of the show to get your to get your official list of the most pony players. Let's move on to MBFFC, and it's come to you, Jack. Is Parker going to last after that horror show of a tactical display? I think managers right now are, are in this period where one game and they're under question, and some people were were saying Chris Hutton should come in. It's just like it's one game. And um, his first game of the season, uh, I would say stick with him if it gets you know to a, to a point where we're we're very far off the playoffs and we're not picking up points against teams we should be picking off. Then maybe we'll look at it. But but look, we we went through a season last season where we had three different managers, and after one game, you're already trying to link him to Chris Hutton. is is laughable. But look, stick with the man. Although he almost run me over on Saturday night. I want to hear um, about this. You well, it was it. it was weird. It was weird. I just I came out of St Pancras waiting for a, for an Uber or a Bolt to take me home and um, just stepped out on the road to, to cross towards um, the underground. And, well, it was my fault. I wasn't really looking. And then suddenly SP, Scott Parker's car, just came crashing and, and, and Will was like, oh, just my friend Will was like, oh, just watch out there, Jack. And, and he was like, oh, that was Scott Parker in your car. And I was like, oh. Just well, it was right after I think I had run into him. And yeah, because he was very, on our train home. I did my very American thing where I saw Scott. We knew him, he was on the train with his kid. And so I just like shook his hand and said, hey, Scott, you know, we'll, unlucky we'll get him next week, which is maybe not the Dom Betts uh, re- response. And so, <laughs> it's far you know, too polite. It, far, dog, far too it? polite. But, you know, to be fair, the one thing I will say is like after five games, if we don't, if we're still mucking about in the back, then I would have no problem with us starting to think about maybe something's actually going wrong. But, I mean, players like Scott, you know, there seems to be a good energy in the dressing room. I was impressed by what I saw against West Ham in the second half of the game. There was a bit of cohesion. I think he got his tactics wrong. I don't know why. Maybe he thought, you know, managers have these things happen, and let's see what happens on Saturday. But you you can't get rid of a guy, and the players obviously seem to respect him, and that is something. Yeah, I think that's, there's something in in that in that we're very you're you're absolutely right, Jack. We're very quick to jump to to conclusions and and jump to oh, this manager isn't good enough. I was concerned though with the like sheer lack of tactical aptitude yeah. in the like 
you know, in a game, it was never going to be easy. Let, let's put this, you know, put this straight. There was this kind of weird thing in the fan base where people thought, oh, easy start to Barnsley. I was like, absolutely not. This is never going to be an easy game. But, you know, also give yourself the best possible chance. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that, that Barnsley were more played better than we than we were really bad in terms of like they were better than we were bad. So. What was, his, what was his name? Wilkes that was on the right yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. Wilkes was an absolute beast on that yeah, he side, was, though. My gosh, he was he trying really to wind us up a lot when at he the got end, though, substituted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, I think we don't give Barnes enough credit. That's my point. I think that they won every second ball. They were at us right from the get go. They pressed us high, and and we couldn't quite deal with it. I think we we were just stunned by how. And if Carly Col- Woodrow had actually connected on that bicycle kick, we probably should have just stopped the season right. If, there. if, if, if Carly Woodrow that, had scored a bicycle kick against us, I would have literally just been like, "This is it." So you <laughs> just reset, chip, reset football manager, Dom, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I would say Chuck was seen to get, but I haven't taken one out of the box yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I understand that Barnsley were good, but I still think you. <laughs> You're, you've got a team come down from League and they're the team coming up from League One. Yes, they got all the momentum, I guess, but mm. you can't be not no, be not winning that sort of game. That's the sort of game you need to be winning. I understand it's like we said with Palace at home last season. It's kind of not the game you want starting off. You no. kind of would want the Blackburn at home to yep. be your opening yep. game, but yeah, I don't think it can really you know be underestimated how tactically net we really were on Saturday. Okay. Also, how bad K-Mac is. Like I watched him in the West Ham game and I wrote the same thing. That Steph Joe and K-Mac looked really off. Kamara, you know, that was a mistake by Parker. He shouldn't have started Kamara. But K-Mac and, and Steph Joe just look slow. And I don't yeah. think any of us realize how bad that actually is. Okay, right. This question is from CSE, C1SSE. He says, rank our winger options from best to worst. I'm going to start with you, Mr. Nathan Martin. Um, our winger options. Let's go through who do we have. Knockhart, no- Caviero, Aite. You got to start off with Knockhart. Knockhart's our best winger option that we have. I mean, he's absolutely electric, worth every penny that we've got. Caviero as well, and then Aite, and then you put Kamara maybe two or three rungs behind that, and you know whoever else we put alongside. Weird there. lack of Niskins Cabano there. Yeah, for me. disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> Niskins Cabano. Well, we put- he's number one. Niskins Cabano, <laughs> obviously number one. But no, Knockhart. I just think we all. We knew we were getting a good player. We didn't realize how good he actually was, and he should be first one of the first names on the sheet right after maybe Mitrovic. Okay, Jack? Yeah, I'd go um, Knockout, Caviero, Sessignon, Aite, Cabano, Kamara. Okay, that's a, that's a decent list. I quite like you. Yeah, one. a nice Dom- nod to the player that's not departed uh, yet. Cabano won. I'm going <laughs> to say Caviero top, just because I think he's actually a better winger mm. than Anthony Knockout. Mm. Um, if you're going, if we're just if we can all our wild options and count them as players, you put knock out top of for an actual winger and what we want from him. I think Caviero is going to be best because I think he's going to stretch the defenses as much as he can. I think Knockout's going to be making his going. So I think he's more of a technical player, maybe you could argue than Caviero. But then yeah, you would put Knockout in. Then I then I don't. I think Cabano is isn't that any any better any worse than Aite? I put put him about level. I love I love Cavano. Mm. Yeah, he, he, he puts he puts he puts the hard, he puts the hard graft in actually. If you look at all his goals, he doesn't ever score screamers. He, they're always just shit. Um, so and then Kamara, I just, I'm not even include him. In that. He's not he's not worth including. Okay, <laughs> all right, couple more. David Manning says Maxim Lamarchand or Reem on or Adoy to partner Mawson going forward. Or let's just say let's say for Blackburn, Reem. Ream for you. Ream. Although they lost 5-1 against QP under 23s, which is quite... But that was his worrying. first game back, though. Yeah, it's and true. It, yeah, and I think he's I think he's pretty fit after the Gold Cup. He looks like he's you know he's on good form, and I would like to see him and Mawson pair up and just see what would happen. Okay, Dom? I'll go for a doy. you go for a doy. I would go for what it's worth, Maxime Lamarchand. I still, still, still think he's got the ability at this level. I just think he needs to just 
sort himself out a little bit first. Um, last question, apart from apart from we're going to come back to Dom at the end. From Will, he says, who do you think will be our most influential player this season? Jack, go to you first. It's tricky. I think after Saturday, knockout, he's the one that seems to be creating the most. He seems the one that, that gets me off my seat, although I'm already standing. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, knockout. Nathan. I mean, I think if we if we say yeah, influential on that side, it's got to be Knockhart. We, we we there's no one else we really have. I mean, T, TC needs to step up, but Knockhart is the player that right now we're looking for any sort of spark. So for at least the first half of the season, Knockhart. I still think Mitrovic. I just think he's a difference between a team who can challenge for top six and a team who can challenge for top two. Yes, he wasn't at his best on on Saturday, but I don't think it's down to him. I think it's down to the severe lack of service that he got. So yes, Knockhart. It looks like he could create create a lot of things for us, but I think when it comes to the influence of whether we can finish 7th, 8th or finish 1st or 2nd, I think you've got to still look at Alexander Mitrovic. Yeah, I was going to say something very similar but about Tom Kearney, um, who I still think has to be the linchpin of the side if you're going to you know make this work. And, and the way to get this side playing again is to get Tom Kearney on the ball. And you had a few sparks out on Saturday. I think it's one of those things if you're at the game or you watched it back slowly, you, you might have caught it but Kearney had one play in the first half where he took in about two or three people had a little spin move and he sort of had those flashes of brilliance I think the problem is is that Steph Joe and K-Mac are not providing any sort of space or support for him so Kearney and as well in the second half he with Joe Bryan and Aite had a couple nice little link up where they would where they would exchange it but you've got to get Kearney going if we're going to get going okay Dom have you finally decided <laughs> who the most pony player you've seen play in a film show Eddie is? Johnson Eddie Johnson <laughs> you think Eddie Johnson is worse than Mark Fotheringham yes just for how bad he was over a really long sustained period of time. <laughs> like, he was just pony for the entire, like, four or five years. I think, what, was, what, what did the average, I think, no, what did he get? It was, like, four shots on target across three seasons <laughs> with no goals. Quite impressive. Almost impressive how good that is as, mm-hmm. a, as an actual exactly. thing. On, on the Mark Fotheringham note, Adblon Smith says, would you rather down a pint of vinegar or re-sign Mark Fotheringham? Re-sign Mark Fotheringham. Get him back in. Yeah, I would re-sign my father. Yeah. Nathan, same. You don't have to. You don't have, have, have to play him. No, no, no. Like, you have to. You well, have did, to. Didn't state that. Just said re-sign him or down a pint of vinegar. I just stick him in the twenty-three just to keep him away from the club. <laughs> Honestly, it was dreadful, dreadful. Right, Dom. Do you want to name this one? Oakless at Oakwell. Oakwell. Right. Excellent. We will be back on Thursday for deadline day and a bit of a Blackburn preview. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you can get that into your inbox. Last thing for me to do is to say thank you to Nathan Martin. Yeah. Thank you to Jack Kelly. Thank you very much. Thank you to Don Betts. That's right. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Fulhamish. It will get better. It will get better, I promise. We'll see you very soon, gang. Thanks for listening.